welcome to Freedom From Within, a show where we discuss how to build a strong foundation for life that is important to you, your family, and your community, where we teach foundational life principles to those serving time in our prisons. Because of the successes of our program inside, we are now bringing the same program outside on this show, the show that we call Freedom From Within. Hello, my name is Cliff. And I'm Sue. And we are the directors of Freedom From Within. Yes, welcome. We're glad you're joining us this today. Today, to this evening. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, this evening. This evening for us. Right, right. But uh, uh, the nature of podcasts could be any time. Any time at all. Any time in the world. We actually have people listening in uh, uh, several countries. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool. Yep. India, right. you said. Philippines. Philippines, India, Germany. Germany. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then a foreign country called the U.S. Yes. Yeah, it <laughs> seems kind of foreign right now. <laughs> so kind of craziness. That's for sure. Yeah. So Sue, what uh, what are, what's the topic that we're talking about today? Abundant living. Abundant living, right. So um, this is actually the fourth episode we've been doing on abundant living. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the first abundant living episode that we did? The first Abundant Living, we had guests, right? Yeah, we had guests. And they were our cyclist friends. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about, um, we gave some homework, Mm -hmm. talked about the circles of concern. Right. But let's go back to those guests. Mm -hmm. What was interesting about them was that we met them around eight years ago. Right. And on bicycles, we we hosted them. And Mm -hmm. then they called us and said, hey, we want to do this again. But eight years ago, they were actually on a... They were on their honeymoon. On their honeymoon, yeah. Right, for were, a year. They were riding their bikes from New York to... All around the country. All around Alaska. the country and going to Alaska. Yeah. And back. Today, though, we have uh, some guests. Yes, we do. And we met them um, kind of in a weird way like that, too. Yeah, it was right? a very interesting way. Right, it was in Portillo's. Mm-hmm. And we heard about them. We did. From in the Philippines. Yep. And here we are where we see these people wearing these these shirts that, that represented the Philippines. Right. I'm like, Cliff, go talk to him. Right. <laughs> and then what happened was we find out that this couple were relatively newly married. Mm-hmm. I don't think they were on their honeymoon. No. A couple of years married. And then uh, find out that they're going to move to the Philippines. Yes, and they did. So today we have them as guests. We have Mike and Andrea Erickson. Mm-hmm. And so Mike and Andrea, say hello to the world. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> you guys can probably tell them the story about how long you actually were married when we saw you and all that. Yeah. Do you, when, <laughs> when was it uh, right before you guys went to the Philippines? Uh, that was 2006. So it was about... I think two years. We've been married for two years. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. And so you made this decision to become missionaries back in 2006. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, that's where you guys actually had your first child was in the Philippines. Yes. Right? Right? Yes. He's so, American with a Filipino accent. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, Andrew was seven months pregnant when we flew over to the Philippines. And they wanted like a doctor's clearance and stuff. And, you know, we were... We were like young and naive. We had no idea, but they still let her on the plane, thankfully. Were you pregnant when we when we saw you in the Portillo's? 
No, we saw you in 2005, actually. We had just gotten back from a six-week trip okay. in the Philippines. So we saw you in 2005. We had committed to go there, but we didn't go back until 2006. Okay. Got it. Got it. Right. Our topic, Mike and Andrea, is abundant living. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, here you are in the in this country where we have all these you know creature comforts, and most countries would think that we're living abundantly. And you guys decided, hey, you know what? This ain't enough for me. We need more. And so you went to the Philippines. Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah, in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> so, so why would why would a young couple um, go to the Philippines and you know and eventually raise your family? You know, have a have a family there. And and that was you were there for how many years? We were there for. Uh... 13 years, 13 and a half years. 13 and a half years. Okay. Yes. So, so can you, um, help us understand, you know, why you would do this? Why would, why, what, what was the attraction for you? Uh, when Mike and I got married in 2004, um, I asked him to go on one short term missions trip with me because my heart was missions ever since I was a teenager. And, uh, he agreed. He didn't want to do full-time ministry. But it worked out a year after we'd been married, we went to uh, the Philippines to Frontline Ministries, and we went there for six weeks. And at the end of the six weeks, we both felt that God had called us to the Philippines. And we fell in love with the people in the Philippines and uh, the kids. And we just uh, both felt that uh, God didn't have wasn't having us here in the u.s at that time it was time for us to be in the philippines well very cool what was the biggest adjustment that you had like what kind of habits that you had here in the u.s did you have to give up when you went to the philippines oh man well i mean first of all we didn't have a car for over the first year and so just that like freedom and mobility you know and then at that time they were a little bit nervous about foreigners kind of going out on their own so, you know, we were here in the States, we were married, we were free to do whatever we want. And then it was like, you know, we're not really restrictive, but a little bit. And so just having that kind of like liberty of being able to just get up and go whenever we want, you know, that was, that was a weird adjustment. And then of course, I think for me, the big adjustment was the heat. I mean, it was just hot 24 seven. It could be nighttime and I was sweating and we didn't have air conditioning. Actually the entire 13 and a half years. Uh, we never did put air conditioning in our house. We could have, but just felt like we were, you know, there with the people and trying to live more among the people. So we didn't. And um, and then, you know, when we uh, got there, you know, what was available for us was a half trailer, which, you know, obviously we're grateful for. But at the time, you know, we came from a two-bedroom apartment. <laughs> uh, you know, when we first got married, we had a two-bedroom apartment. And so to go from that to a half trailer, uh, it was just a big adjustment, you know, and everything, like you said, the, the routine was off. We couldn't just, just go anywhere that we wanted to at any time. You know, eventually we could as we got to know the place and the people and the directions and, and how to get places on our own and stuff. But it was just a process, you know, to get to that point. Right. And so you guys then became the directors of a children's ministry called Face the Children, right? Yeah. And that, that was your main objective when you went there the first time. You You had that. That was going to be your gig, right? Yeah, so Andrea was definitely going to work with the kids, and then I was going to lead the worship in the church, which I did. 
but they needed more volunteers with the kids. So Andrea kind of recruited me. <laughs> and, you know, when you start working with kids, especially from all different um, variety of backgrounds, and you just fall in love with them. And so we became house parents. Uh, and then from there, uh, we were asked to, to become the directors. And so we did that. We did the director our entire 13 years, but house parents we did for like nine years. And then the last four years we were there, we were not house parents. Okay. Andrea, this question's for you. How many kids did you actually have in the Philippines? <laughs> oh, too many. I don't know. More than 30. <laughs> lots of kids. Lots of kids. But the funny story is there is that I grew up always wanting 11 kids. And um, the Lord gave me a lot more than I could imagine. So I had a lot of kids to love and um, we still love. And a lot of them are adults now and some of them have their own kids now too. So we even got more kids. See, wow. so you're so. kind of like grandparents already, huh? Yeah. Kind yeah. Of. She, she was the youngest grandmother, like at 31 years old, they were calling her grandma. <laughs> That's crazy, huh? That's great. That's great. And, but you had two biological children. Yes. Right. And how old are they? Uh, a 13 year old and nine year old boys. Right. Cause, boys. Because the 13 year old, he pretty much was born the first year, right? Right. That you were first there? three months. Yep. The first three, he was born three months later mm-hmm. after we got there. So. Wow. <laughs> um, how did your family, like your mom and everybody, uh, you know, and your friends, what did they think about you uh, having your first child in, in the Philippines? Well, my mom, this is her, my mom's story is that she gave me to the Lord and that was a hard thing to do. But then when she said I had to, she had to give her grandson or grandchildren too. That was a little bit harder for her to do that. So, <laughs> you know, uh, that, that was a, a, a trial in all itself, um, trying to find a doctor. It took us two weeks before um, Josiah was born before we actually had the doctor that delivered Josiah. So there was a lot of um, many doctors we had to go through before we got the final doctor. So um, it all worked out and she was a great doctor. So I guess the Lord still provided, but that was one of the, one of the challenges when we first got there is finding a doctor that would work with, you know, Mike and I, and like allow Mike to be in the delivery room because they don't usually do that in the Philippines. And, mm. and then I have negative blood type, which most Asian people have positive blood. And mm. so if I had a complication also, I would be harder to find blood. And then also um, uh, if my kids had positive blood, I would have to have a shot and they both were. So I had to get a shot and drive someone to drive an hour and a half away to get the shot that I would need for that. So just crazy things like that. But the Lord seemed to always provide what we needed um, at the right time. So Amen. Sue and I were in the Philippines prior to this time as well. And we visited the hospitals and stuff and, you know, things that stick out is like the rusty, you know, the rust on the, on the beds and stuff. <laughs> and, yeah. and so, you know, it seemed kind of a, a crazy thing you had some you know god was in in the equation and and your son's doing well and and um making a difference and then you had another child and then eventually you guys um adopted right right and actually in between josiah and isaac we have a 10 year old little girl ah. and uh we had a miscarriage in 2009 and uh february of 2009 and um 
the Lord, Eliana is, uh, it means, uh, my God has answered me. So Eliana's name means, means that. And we have been praying for a little girl. And um, after I uh, lost the baby, um, the Lord just worked in my, started working in my life. And I thought that a baby was going to make me happy because I kind of had been in a state of depression a little bit after, I guess, after Josiah was born. And the Lord just started working in my life for those next nine months. Really, he did and just started changing my perspective and my just everything, and that it was more about him. Yes, I, I was a missionary, uh, supposed to be, you know, sharing the word of God, but it was like I, I needed a little bit of a jump start, and um, the Lord did that the, that whole that whole next nine months, and then um, uh, Eliana came. Um, in we were talking to our social worker, and uh, they said. We had asked him, "Can we can we adopt? Uh, are we able to adopt?" And he said, um, "Yeah, actually, there's a baby in the city hospital uh, right now, and she's three, three and a half weeks old. If you want to go see her, you can." And we went. I took a shower and went an hour later, and we saw we met Eliana for the first time, and she came to live with us that the following Monday, so two days, and she's been with us ever since. Wow. And uh, her. It didn't stop there. We didn't know what how long it would take. We thought two years to get the adoption, but it actually took seven years for the adoption to take place. And um, we're still working. Uh, hopefully, it's about to be done to get her U.S. citizenship within the next uh, week or so. So, wow! Praise God for that. That's cool. cool. Great story. So, Mike. So you got all your your family's growing. You. Um, are doing more than just uh, leading worship. Uh, what was on this topic of abundant living? Would you say that you were living abundantly? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. We, um, you know, because I call it the pillow test, right? So every night when we put our heads down, we felt like we were uh, following God's plan <clears throat> and reaching out to the people in our lives that He had called us to, and um, you know that abundant living just came up being filled by him and being able to, to just impact and work with so many people. That's great. Mm -hmm. Now you're back in the States. Um, what was the biggest thing that, uh, took the adjustment for you and maybe your kids and, you know, your family? What, what, uh, what sticks out? Well, I mean, this is kind of a weird time because it, it happened during, you know, we came back as the COVID pandemic was at, you know, at a height in March. And so just that, the whole feeling like secluded to the house, you know, and in the Philippines is so family oriented. So like your neighbors, they're not just your neighbors, they become your family. You know, you, you share meals together. It's a regular thing. Uh, you know, you, you, you share life together, you know, your houses are so close. You, you know, when your neighbors are happy and you know, when they're arguing and they know when you're happy and they know when you're arguing, you know, so we come to the States and, you know, the houses generally have some space in between them. Yeah. Not apartments, but in the houses and, you know, everybody has this thing called, you know, property or land that, you know, puts the house a little bit further away. And, and that's just an adjustment, even for our kids. You know, they're just used to being surrounded by people to the left and to the right. And, and they, you know, they know each other and they, they're their friends or their, you know, their family. And so that's been the biggest adjustment for them, especially because they were born there. And and I, you know, we lived in the States, so um, we were kind of used to it and had a grid work for it. But, you know, they really didn't. And, uh, you know, they're getting there now that things are kind of, uh, opening up some, they've made some friends and been able to get out some more and, 
and whatnot. So is it, are you saying that it's really about relationships that's really makes the adjustment? Yeah. Yeah. Because even here, even myself, you know, I was raised here, but you know, most of the time I never knew the names of my neighbors. Really. I didn't, or, you know, I may have known like one family, you know, to my left, but I didn't know the family to my right or across the street or, you know, certainly not down the block. And uh, that's just, this is weird to me now because in the Philippines, you know, we, we'd walk down the street and, you know, we, you wouldn't go without you know, down the street without saying hi to 50 people. Right. It's like, you know, your neighbors, you know, you, you, you have relationships and you know each other and, you know, you say hi and then you start to learn their names and their families and how many kids they have. And, you know, if there's a need, everyone steps up, everyone who can steps up, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you're a blood related or not, you know, it's just a closeness and, yeah, there's ups and downs. There's ups and downs, those kind of close relationships. You can also get into a lot of arguments and gossip and, you know, there can be some, I guess you'd call it drama, you know, but really overall, if I have to choose not knowing any of my neighbors and, and knowing them and being part of life, I'm going to choose to know them, be a part of the life. That's great. Great answer, Mike. So was there anything that was non-negotiable? Like you, you know, you know, you were born here, you spent 13 years over there and that's too bad. This is, this is me. And this is, um, this is just, you know, I'm not giving this up. Was there any, any routine or anything that uh, you wouldn't give up? Mm. Andrew, what about you? I don't know about a routine. I think I started my, my, a lot of my more, my routines when I got to the Philippines, you know, like, yeah, that's true. You started more routines there. Yeah. (laughs) Now, now I wouldn't give them up, like my working out and things like that. But I think as a a person, something I would um, was ne- never gave up was um, my loyalty to people. Like I think that that's really what you know. If it didn't matter what you, if you did something wrong or you you, you know, um, you became part of my family or whatever my family extended family. Um, I was loyal to you and I didn't just throw you on the wayside because you screwed up or you messed up. You know, we um, stuck together and we tried to work things out, but um, for routine as in um, I think uh, routine in my life and like the things I do, like I think that things like, Oh, my, my fitness, I started to, um, make that a priority. It would be like drinking coffee in the morning for some people. I had to have a run, you know, and that's kind of something I started there. And, um, um, and of course, um, my relationship with the Lord, I think that that was something that no matter whether I was in the secular, secular world or um, in the church or outside the church, I really, um, people knew that um, I love the Lord and I was, real. And so I wasn't fake. I was the same person everywhere. So, you know, you're in a different culture. So there's a lot of ups and downs, um, emotional ups and downs, whether it be with kids that, uh, you know, you fall in love with and things don't work out or, um, or just some of the oppression that's just part of the the culture itself. So I was just wondering how, how you and the Lord were doing during those, those times. Well, I never felt like I never would turn away from the Lord. I might have a question more, but like I said before, like after I had Josiah, the, those first two or three years, I really felt like kind of more down, 
And so like after I had that the miscarriage, I like I always felt like um, part of the baby's that baby's purpose was to kind of breathe life back into me to kind of refocus what why I was here, you know, and that kind of started me up again. So I mean, yes, I believe my faith was consistent, but I think that in how I did things, um, maybe I didn't show it enough, you know, I kind of maybe isolated myself a little more than being more open for, uh, you know, for a time. So. Okay. So then both of you got really involved in sports. You always played basketball, right, Mike? Yeah. When we went to the Philippines, I, I really got into basketball more. And is that because you're good or just because you're taller than everybody else? It initially, honestly, it was just because I was taller. Because when I went there, and I was still a pretty big guy, so I wasn't fast or quick, you know. But I was, you know, a foot taller than some of the guys. Um, as we were there longer, the new generation coming up, um, there's a lot of tall Filipinos now, or you know, maybe they their grandfather was, you know, in the navy or something, and so now they're coming out six foot, six foot four, six foot six. But as we were there longer, I, I got uh, I got in shape, lost some weight and condition, and started really playing and, and it turned into a skill. Yeah, in the mid- middle 2000s, I remember, you know, a lot more poverty than, you know, in the teens, um, you know, 10 years later. But I remember watching, you know, uh, you know, watching basketball and, and how uh, they're doing these like incredible layups and getting the, all this air, um, you know, with their flip-flops on without and keeping the flip-flops on the entire time. Yeah. And then they yeah, got, then they started getting all Air Jordans after that. So then that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny is they actually get like what they call Class C and Class B shoes. So they're not, you know, they're not they're not Jordans. They're like you know Gordons. <laughs> they look like Jordans, but they were they were made up the street. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That's good. Andrea, you were you got involved with uh, kickboxing, right? While you were there. Yes. Was that? because you always had interest in doing that or was that something that uh, you're kind of maybe in retrospect filling, you know, filling something that was missing or, or whatever that you couldn't get anywhere else? Um, it was actually just to get fitness and that's what I started out as just to have another way to do, you know, to work out. And um, uh, the Lord just opened that door to, um, you know, a, a lot to a, a different door, just opened a different door to me that the coach that I was working with was actually a, a fighter. And he said, you should fight. And I'm like, I can't punch somebody in the face. I can't do that. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I don't want to fight. I just want to train, you know? And then, but eventually I said, okay, let's try it. I'll try this. And, uh, um, I loved it. I, it was just, I don't know. It was a neat, neat experience. And, um, a neat community to be a part of, uh, being a part of uh, fighters. Um, it's like a family. It's another version of a family. And the Lord just uh, opened doors for me to uh, to be a witness and to, to minister to people. And um, I had no idea. And people back here in the U.S. Uh, couldn't believe it because they said, Andrew, you're you don't do that kind of stuff. You're just nice and sweet. And uh, I was like, yep, I guess so. On the, uh, uh, not inside the ring, though. Inside the ring, you fight. And so, yeah. um, well, I got to tell a story. Andrew's first fight, um, you know, we were all pretty sure that when the bell went off, she wasn't going to be able to throw a punch, you know, just because 
it's just not Andrea. She's like the nicest person you'll ever meet. So I actually got our ministry driver and I got our ministry bus and I filled it up with the kids from Faith to Children and some of the some of the older alumni came and some of Andrea's friends and we all decided we're going to go and support her. You know, assuming that she's probably going to lose because she's not going to be able to do it. Right? <laughs> That's what we were thinking. So we get there and we're all you know we're encouraging her and stuff and. Man, when that bell went off, it was no longer like Andrea inside the ring, right? It was like game on. And she she was just a beast in there, you know. But she won, and you know, we were all shocked at first. And then then everyone got a little bit scared to mess with her after that. But, you know, <laughs> no. But she became such like a light in that community, you know. When you're, when you're in, she, it was MMA. So when you're an MMA fighter, um, it really is. It's there. At least it's about respect, and it's about you know being a part of the community. And it really did open up a lot of doors for her uh, during our time there. Wow, wow. Yeah, and, and Andrea, you and Sue did um, uh, did a skydiving thing several years ago. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yes. you're you're like a crazy person. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So my no bungee jumping for me though. What's that? No, no bungee. bungee jumping. Oh, okay. No, I won't do bungee jumping either. <laughs> so Mike, um, you're back in the States, you're kind of making an adjustment and you're in the process of uh pastoring a church. Is that uh is that public knowledge? Did I just Um yeah, well not really. Uh, we're in the process of uh we've accepted a pastoral role and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're in the transition time of it. So God's really opened some doors and um and we're really grateful because we we actually had different opportunities to choose from, but we really prayed about it and we really wanted to go where the peace was, and that's just where the peace felt like it was. So we're we'll be in a transition period and uh, just working with the pastor and the church, and so far everything's just going really well. Wow. So let's say, um, how how old are you, Mike? Thirty six. Thirty six. Okay. So let's say twenty years ago, you ever think of your life would be what it is right now um, Philippines and um, you know, three kids and now pastoring, you know, about to pastor a church. Is that, was is that part of your master plan? Well, I mean, I was raised in the church and my parents are pastors. So I, I thought he would end up pastoring. Um, but the thing about, you know, going to the Philippines really is that it, it really equipped me in so many ways. I mean, I've had so many, experiences and I both had so many experiences that we just wouldn't have had you know if we didn't go and now we're talking today actually and it's just weird it seems like a dream in some ways you know because to to be there for 13 and a half years and then all of a sudden to not be there it just doesn't even really feel like reality sometimes you know it's like were we really there you know um but we learned so much and um you know when you when you follow God's plan for your life and you follow what he has for you, you know, he's, he's going to teach you and he's going to give those opportunities. And um, so I'm, I'm really happy about this, but I, I can say that our, uh, you know, we, we do everything together. So our pastoring is not going to be probably conventional or, or what people think it is. You know, we're always going to be about outreach. And if there's a chance for Andrew to get back in MMA, maybe she will, you know, uh, whatever we can do to reach the community and, and be a part. We really believe that, you know, we should integrate all of life. And so, you know, ministry, work, career, you know, uh, hobbies, fitness, all of that. You know, we, we really want to put it all into one, like Andrew said earlier, and, and we just are who we are. You know, you can call me Mike. Nobody has to call me Pastor Mike, just Mike. And and that's really just how we feel God's really equipped us 
Yeah, that's huge. That, that's huge. You know, we, we talk a lot on this podcast about being in balance and you named off uh, several keys, I think, to um, really the success in abundant living. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's when we get out of balance, when we're doing too much work or, you know, we're always focusing on our finances and not, you know, um, playing at all is really, you know, being able to do a, a check and actually have a routine um, and, and just ask yourself or, or ask those around you, you know, how am I doing in this area? You know, there's nothing worse than um, looking back and finding out that a bunch of time has gone by. But I, I, I tend to agree with you on, on the you know, looking back and it's like, what, you know, was that a dream? Hmm. Um, yeah, but I think that that's part of the abundant life is, is this whole idea of, um, you know, being able to let go and move on. I mean, going forward and, you know, may God uh, give us the memory and the experiences, uh, you know, that we can carry forward, whether it be in pictures or, um, you know, some people are really good. Sue's really good at uh, memory, you know, remembering things, you know, the past, like how our kids were growing up and stuff. Um, for me, it's kind of a, like a, like a big blur until she reminds me. <laughs> so. I think it's really cool how um, you were talking about, you know, um, all the different aspects of life and putting them all together and doing things together is very important. And I, what I hear is, you know, you're focused on the Lord and what does he want in your life? And I, for me also, and Cliff, you know, when you are following the Lord and just asking, what do you want me to do? Um, amazing things happen that you just don't think about, especially, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you never thought you would do. And uh, so anyone that's listening, if you're just trying to figure out what the next thing is, you know, just seek the Lord and he'll show you. Yeah, you that's know? good. Yeah, because, you know, one of the things is is balancing God in your life, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people would say, you know, well, I'm all in 100%. Well, that's probably not really true. It might sound good. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or I like the one where it's like, Hey, it wasn't me, man. It was all God. And, 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 and it's like, no, man, it wasn't that good. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, when, when we look at abundant living, we look at the, our routines that are allowing for that to occur. So if you're always have a routine of like saying, buying something and then having a regret over and over, you know, buy something, regret, buy something, regret, that's a routine. If you're, if you're like working really hard and, and you find that at the end of the day, you know, you have to have, um, something to kind of numb you out, whether it be, you know, a beer or, or something harder, you know, that's a routine and either that's going to be working for you or working against you. Um, I, I love what, uh, both of you were talking about with relationships mm-hmm. and how that was really the, um, made the transition easy. You actually went out and built relationships, whether it be kickboxing or new, you know, new country. Um, and I think that that's, that's really, really important. So those that are listening, you know, what is your reward when you're doing something, when, whether you're working really hard, um, or you're having, you know, too much fun or, um, you know, your relationship with God, what is, what are the rewards to all those things? And I think, you know, when we look at uh, what's most important, uh, when Jesus says, you know, love God and love people, um, it's probably should have something to do with that. Yeah, exactly. Right. So 
Mike and Andrea, we're, we're running out of time, but uh, is there anything that you'd like to um, uh, share on our podcast? Uh, maybe an exclusive, you know, never heard before, you know, some rumor that we could pass around Any, anything. <laughs> our time in the Philippines. Um, one of the things I think that I got out of the most of it was just love learning about just loving God and loving other people. And it wasn't always a love that um, just was easy. Everything was easy to love because there was a lot of things that working with kids that were hard. Sometimes things would go well. Sometimes things would go um, not so well. But I, God really taught me about um, what it means to love. And um, I think that through that, that's been kind of my, um, I don't know, my thought on how to live is to, uh, like in First uh, Corinthians 13, it says that, uh, like, love never gives up and it never fails. And in my time in the Philippines, I have seen that, that to be true, that if we're going to love people and uh, we might risk being hurt, but if we don't um, love people and we don't do, go out and do that, we also risk that of never seeing uh, what uh, God's love can do in someone's life. So <laughs> that's great. Thank, yeah, thank you, Andrea. It's really good. It's about loving the person, not their actions. Okay. Unconditional love. Mike, anything? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, the thing that I would say is that one thing I really learned in, in our, our time in ministry is that um, all things through Christ are redeemable. And I think that the very nature of God is redemption, right? I mean, Adam and Eve sin and his, his redemption plan went into, you know, went, in, went into effect, you know, and Jesus came and, and that's part of the redemption plan for us now. But even now, God's still got so many things going on that, you know, we're not even cognitively aware of. And um, even as I read through the Bible, the Old Testament, New Testament, you just see how God designed redemption and maybe it wasn't right away. You know, maybe the exiles were going to be out for 70 years first, but, redemption was coming and you know what we learned working with kids especially kids from abuse abandonment and dangerous neglect is you you know you had to have patience and you really had to have a heart of redemption and now that we're back in the states and i'm reconnecting with some old friends and i'm I'm being their kids because you know their kids are teenagers now and i'm realizing that there's not really a huge difference between the kids in the philippines and, and the kids here i mean life is messy you know sin is sin the world is broken Teenagers are questioning now more than ever, you know, about their existence, about their origin, about their purpose, and all these things. You know, what they need is they need young men and women to stand up and to be examples and role models and mentors and to help them see that, you know, God is all about redemption. He's not about abandonment. He's about love and redemption and drawing them in. Wow, that's great. You know. You guys are going to have an awesome church. Yeah. <laughs> Amen from your from your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> you know, and, and everything you just said, as directors of a prison ministry, um, people would really resonate inside prison with what you just said. And um, you know, I, I think it's really important that um, as we're building a foundation, you know, you know, that's gonna support us during the you know good times and the and the tough times. We need to re- understand how important relationship is. We need to understand, you know. That love isn't something that um, you just do. It it is an action. And that um, we do have routines and they do have 
rewards to those routines and what are you doing is, is the routine helping you know you or, or hurting you and so Mike and Andrea, thank you so much for being, you know, part of our, our podcast today. We'd love to uh, uh, keep tabs on you and, and look forward to maybe getting some updates as you guys kind of navigate this new uh, U.S. journey that you're in. Uh, yeah, so thank, thank you. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Cool. You know, there's a couple different ways to get involved and, and participate, right? Right. Yeah. How do you do that, Sue? Well, one way is uh, leave us a message on our email at info at freedomfromwithin.org. Love to hear from you and we'll um, email you back. Yeah. You can also leave a voice message if you go to, uh, if you're listening on anchor.fm or if you go to freedomfromwithin.org, click on the podcast link and you can actually leave a voicemail. We've done that a couple of times um, and that's been kind of cool. So, and then, um, you know, just you know, if you have any questions about prison ministry or anything like that. So we're going to be continuing on with abundant living. It's an important topic. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, we'll continue on with this uh, next week. Uh, but in the meantime, one of the things that we like to say around here is what is it? Sue, you ready? Yep. We like to live, live it, it to, to give, give it. it. And we encourage you to just share that with uh, others as well. So God bless everyone. Take care. And until next time.